1: Back from Dallas and a little bit of news. Still some questions out there about the health of several players. Let's start with Chris Godwin, who, you know, it was a scary moment, Steve. You know, I, I knew, and I called this at breakfast um, with Joey, Joey Knight. Nobody actually called me from the Bucks to say this, but I, I figured when they go into this game, you know, there's been so much talk about, is Godwin going to play? Is he not going to play? And it looked for all the world, like if everything checked out before the game, he was going to play. And I said, you know what they're going to do? They're going to run a bubble screen on the first play of the game or the first pass of the game and, and just get it over with, right? Rather than him stand over there or go in the game and wonder, when is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. When am I going to take a hit? It's going to happen right away. And then when he gets up, he's fine. You know, that's a huge mental hurdle, a weight off his shoulders, whatever analogy you want to use. And sure enough, first play of the game, for the Bucks, anyway, after they uh, gave up a field goal on the first drive, Brady throws a little screen out there, and he goes for 24 yards. It was a really nice play. And then he, I thought he played okay until um, Brady kind of threw low one time, and so he was running full speed sort of away from the line of scrimmage towards the sideline, reached down really low to try to catch the ball, and in doing that, um, he he tweaked his hamstring. He has a hamstring strain. The The scary thing was watching him limp, and you thought, oh, no, you know, and I had seen this before, not with a, an ACL or an MCL, but remember years ago, you remember Cadillac Williams? Remember that name, Carnell Williams? Mm-hmm, absolutely. First round pick of, in 05, I believe. Um, Carnell Williams tore his patellar tendon twice, and it was tragic when we watched it happen the second time because it, it was a tough injury to come back from, which he did. Um, and so all I could think of was, oh, man. Could this have actually happened in the first game back? Maybe they did rush him, et cetera. But, and that was the reaction I think a lot of people had, Steve, was that, well, why'd they rush him back? You know, like, why Why is he playing in this first game? Um, you know, it's only eight months after surgery. What's the hurry? You got a lot of healthy uh, receivers. And all I would say is that he didn't injure his knee. He didn't. Now, mm-hmm. maybe somebody physiologically can, can explain to me that a knee injury might cause some some strain on a hamstring. I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, this just in. Football is dangerous. And at the NFL level, even more so. Guys get hurt every day. They get hurt every week. Hell, they get hurt in practice.
2: It's a sport of attrition, which is why yeah. the contracts aren't guaranteed.
1: Absolutely. You couldn't exist as a business model. Mm-hmm. Now, they're starting to guarantee more and more of the contract, right? Mm-hmm. But you couldn't exist as a business model if it were baseball, you no. know, because you wouldn't, have any, you wouldn't have any players. Your payroll would be astronomical.
2: Very few people would have multi-year deals.
1: Correct. Yeah. They'd all have one and two year deals. That's mm-hmm. very right. Mm-hmm. And so you got to give and get a little bit in the collective bargaining agreement. And so this is what they came up with. But fortunately, uh, from what we understand that even though he did strain his hamstring, the news on Monday was that it wasn't as severe as they once feared. Uh, now, does that mean he's playing against against the Saints? I don't think so. Um, nobody's ruled him out, but I think we're going to find out during the week that they're like, look, let's calm this thing down, you know. Because uh, now now you do want him, since he is coming off the ACL and the MCL, now you do want to make sure, you know, that that his hamstring's in good spot because you don't want to create some kind of unstable, you know, situation with, with a knee because it can't support, you know, by – uh, by the major muscles of the leg. So I, I, think, I think they'll be cautious, and, and I'm predicting that we'll find out more Wednesday that he's probably not going to play. Now, the, the other injury, which is, frankly, way more concerning if I were a Bucks front office person or, or fan, for that matter.
2: Well, particularly with the way Julio Jones played.
1: Oh, God.
2: He was fantastic. Now, yeah. you know, is he going to yeah. play every snap on the offense? No. I, no. Think, I think you're going to limit him to you know, mm-hmm. 50% of the snaps.
0: Mm-hmm. But you saw the mm-hmm. way
2: he played. So yep. you don't need to rush Chris Godwin back.
1: No, you know? but you, you do need your tackles. And we saw that come to play with Micah Parsons taking advantage of, um, you know, Josh Wells and stuff. But, you know, you're absolutely going to need Donovan Smith. And Donovan Smith went out of the game, saw the replay. It's a little gruesome. It's a hyperextended elbow, meaning that somebody put pressure on the elbow from the outside and extended it to bend on the inside, which is not the direction it's supposed to go. And you could see the pain that Smith was in immediately. Um, after the game, when they were coming off the field, he was in, you know, workout clothes. He had he had taken off his uniform, and he had sort of a brace on his elbow. Um, I heard he left the stadium without the brace. I don't know if that's true, but I heard he did. And what, what uh, Todd Bowles told us on Monday was, that you know, Donovan has a hyperextended elbow, but it looks like for him it will be more of a pain tolerance situation, um, meaning that when they get to Sunday they'll shoot him up or something. I don't know. Um, but I would, I would imagine that you're not going to put him out there if he's A, defenseless, or B, ineffective. Look, if you're a tackle and you're blocking you know the caliber of players that the Saints have on their defense, with Cam Jordan and those guys, you really need two arms. You really need the flexibility of both arms. And I just don't know how bad, you know, this is for Donovan, but he didn't come back in the game. And this is a guy who doesn't miss a play. He certainly not miss games, much less, you know, much less many plays. So he's a tough guy. So that toughness will, will probably, you know, bode well for him going into this game in New Orleans. Cam Jordan and those guys have, have, have eaten him and the Bucks' offensive line alive. He's given up some sacks down there. And, and it's a tough matchup for any offensive lineman. But it's going to be much tougher if Josh Wells plays. Josh Wells, you know, bless his heart, he's, he's the quintessential NFL backup tackle that you don't want to have to play for very long. You know, get you out of game, get you through a game, maybe, maybe you know, one or two games if you needed it. Um, but he has, he has struggled. He struggled in the playoff game. He's a little nicked up. That's going to be different. And they're going to have to do some things. You know, I have to do some things, one of which we'll talk about. <laughs> Leonard Fournette has got himself in a nice little social media snit with Micah Parsons.
2: I say, this one doesn't have anything to do with his weight, though.
1: No, it does not. I in. I am not involved in any way, by the way. Um, oh, and thank you very much for all the mean tweets that I've gotten from some of you folks that I've had some block parties of late. You know, no one ever said that Leonard Fournette couldn't play. We merely said that in OTAs when he came up, it was, uh, and I said it on the podcast, donut shy of 260 or so. Uh, He's definitely in his 240s now, Mm -hmm. but he played great. But, man, Twitter is a nasty place sometimes. Appreciate all the mean Very nasty,
2: yes. We'll read those sometimes on the show.
1: We will, and we can do so again, although I'd have to unblock some people to read them. (laughs) Because I... I didn't give him a second chance. If you, make, if you come at me and make it personal, I don't care what you say about my reporting. I really don't. You don't like what I write. You don't think, you don't think I'm a good reporter. That's, that's fine. Everything's subjective in news. But don't get personal. That's, I, there's no need for that, right? Like, like if you're going to be the lowest common denominator and start making personal attacks and things like that, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to. You and your five followers are not going to affect me anymore. I'm just going to block you. Anyway, uh, we're not going to block these people because they're our sponsor and they have a company that you need to take advantage of. It's May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned and operated company. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. A lot of other companies out there you probably never heard of, well, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. You won't get that everywhere. Plus, you get $750 worth of surge protection. ...for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products, conducts on-site testing, you can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors in any way. You know exactly who is doing the job. So start saving money today. Call the solar energy experts. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and of your appliances. Throughout the season, May Electric Solar seven two seven eight one nine two eight six two. So it, this was interesting, and I, and you mentioned that you kind of saw this on the broadcast, or, or and maybe you went back and looked at it. But I when, saw like a, I part, saw it
2: live. So I, you saw, saw it live it, first, okay? Because Josh Wells was kind of getting eaten alive.
1: Yes. so that was sacked right away. Yeah, so
2: mm-hmm. I was paying attention, you know, on the television broadcast watching. What was yeah. happening at the left tackle? Because they were putting Micah Parsons opposite him every play. Right, right. And and I would have done the same thing if I was the Cowboys. Heck yeah. So I was kind of watching what would happen, and I saw Leonard dump Parsons. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't think you call it a pancake because it was just kind of a hit and he fell. No, he
1: bumped him hard and he put him on his butt. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a hell of a block. He kind of he kind of cracked on him a little bit. I mean, it was a chip block. Not well it wasn't it, it was more than a chip, it was a pretty good shoulder pad into his into his sternum and knocked him down.
2: Just think of Le- that, if Leonard had been two sixty at that time. I mean, he's only exactly. so. Well
1: there you go. If he'd been yes, if he had been two sixty he may not have reached Micah Parsons. But I think that you know when Twitter grabbed when they when they, you know, they did the screen grab of it, the video of it, um, and of course then it goes viral and everybody's like, Ooh, Micah Parsons, he got it handed to him. And Parsons took great offense, great offense to it, because here's a guy that has an enormous amount of pride. He's you know, defensive rookie of the year a year ago. He's already got two sacks, okay? So he's at or near the top of the NFL right now. Um, But it was embarrassing to him to some degree, you know, because, I mean, I make all these plays, and, you know, this is the one that's getting the attention. And, you know, his – and then Von Miller chimed in, (laughs) like Von – you you don't have to come at us up the top rope here. Uh Vaughn jumped in and he said, "Yeah, that play should be that that play should be taken out of football." Well, we can have that discussion with with the competition committee later, but the reality is it's in football and you know, as far as it goes, it's not a dirty play. I mean, by definition, it's a legal it's a legal play. So, you want to change the rules, go to the commissioner or someone on the competition committee. But don't don't act as if this is a dirty play because, as Todd Bowles said, he goes, we play within the rules. So if those are the rules, that means their guys get it too. You know, you don't think Shaq Barrett ever gets chipped on, mm-hmm. gets cracked back on, things like that? Happens all the time. So, you know, all Bowles is saying is, hey, you know, we're, we're going to do what we're allowed to do, whether you like it or not, and that's currently what we're allowed to do. But it got nasty. It got really – and I think it's one of those things where – you know, you have a young player, right, in Micah, uh, who's got a lot of pride. He's tremendous talent. I mean, tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not used to people coming at him, you know, much less other players in the league, that fraternity. And so he got embarrassed. You know, it, it was his pride. I think if he had taken a step back, my recommendation would be just ignore it. You know, like you, you don't have to tell people what kind of player you are. Everybody knows it. And sometimes you're the bug and sometimes you're the windshield. But – um, he got you, you know, he got you, but you know what? You got them and you didn't get the win, but you got them. So it wasn't handled great, but it, it kind of got into a, um, a little bit of social media match there back and forth with Fournette. Uh, and it was really good. And then Fournette posts the crying Jordan meme <laughs> <laughs> above the Instagram. I'm telling you, these two got it. They, they, it was, it was actually humorous. He really was, and Fournette, Fournette's a good. He's he's actually a funny dude. I mean, I've gotten to appreciate him through our interactions and whatnot. Um, but you know what? Um, they don't play Dallas again. So at least at least not this year, unless Dallas makes the playoffs. Which got news for you folks. Without Dak Prescott, I really believe the Cowboys aren't going to win anything.
2: Come on, Cooper Rush. He's a he's a hell of a hell of a backup.
1: I love Cabrera. I didn't try to get us a backup because I thought, why would we need a backup if we got Dak?
2: I didn't try to well, get a backup quarterback. I didn't try to get a backup receiver. I didn't try to get a backup I tackle.
1: Know. I know. What the hell, Jerry? I mean, you have a 90,000-seat stadium. That place is almost as big as Michigan, okay, in terms of number of people that jam in there. It's gorgeous. It's, it's massive. And it, and it seats 90,000 people. Could you use some of that money? And, and get some get some talent or at least keep the guys you had. Now, I know they got – I recognize they got salary cap issues. And one of the problems with paying your quarterback $45 million is just that. What's left for the other guys? You know, that's the one thing about Brady. always took way below market.
2: Well, that's what we've seen. What, Mahomes had to – they had to trade Tyreek Hill because Mahomes is making right. so much. Uh, yeah. Green Bay had to trade Devontae Adams because Aaron Rodgers there is making go. so much. I mean, when mm-hmm. your quarterback takes that much or any player on your roster – takes right. up 45 50 million i mean you're talking what is that 20 percent of your salary cap yeah about over 20 sure. probably over 20 for probably over yeah at a 53 mm-hmm. yeah you know you, yeah. you you have to make those decisions and, and dallas is in that same situation with Dak making that much
1: yeah because it's really a shame i mean they have some nice pieces over there but not enough i mean i looked out on that field before the game and i was pretty sure that the bucks were going to win going into dallas but I looked over in the field. I watched them warm up, and I just said, "Where's the plays coming from? Like, they, you know, if if they if they cover, you know, the C.D. Lamb, I in the tight end, I don't know where he's going with the ball."
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: so C.D. Lamb got 11 targets and had just two catches. So it was a great job done by Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield Jr. and all that. There were three or four balls that got tipped in the air. I thought they could have come down with, and they they tried, but they weren't able to. But the one interception by Winfield, if he didn't catch it, they're fighting over it. I mean, Carlton Davis is going ready, ready to take it in his arms, and he gets swiped away from him. So, you know, um, they're a mess. D- Dallas is a mess, and and Mike McCarthy's going to get fired. I'm sure of it. And you're going to have Sean Payton in there by early early spring.
2: Do you think Sean Payton wants to go work for Jerry Jones?
1: Well, it's a great question, and I don't know that definitively, okay? And he's probably had other opportunities to do so uh, through all these years, you would you would imagine by now, because he's from Texas. You know, mm-hmm. Sean Payton's a Texas guy.
2: I'm not saying he wouldn't dream of that job.
1: Right, right, right. But is he afraid of the owner and the meddling? Yeah, maybe, although Stephen Jones does more of the GM stuff now than Jarrah.
2: But whether it's Jerry or Stephen, I mean, they've shown you that they haven't been able to put a team together for years. I mean, no. they've got pieces now, and they're sitting and in the like, NFC East, which is weak.
1: Right. I think a lot of it would be in what the language would be. What would they allow Peyton to do? Is mm-hmm. Peyton going to have the final say in some personnel's decisions? Because I think Peyton's in a position where he could say to a team, if you don't let me buy the groceries, I'm not cooking the meal. Mm-hmm. You know, but Bill Parcells has worked for Jerry. You know, he's got lots of friends in the business that have, you know. yeah,
2: but that was many years ago. Now we, now you've got a track record on Jerry. I mean, I, yeah, look, I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm more familiar with the, the Bengals, and I think there's a lot of coaches that would never go play for Mike Brown. True. I mean, one of the That's reasons true. Marvin Lewis was there so long is who else were they going to get?
1: That's true. That no, I think Marvin was a
2: good true. coach, and he did he was did some great things there, considering the circumstances. But yeah,
1: not everyone's cup of tea, man. If you got choices, you don't have to. Take the first job, you know, if you don't like the ownership situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a thing. But yeah, I mean, if Dallas wins, I mean, Dak can miss, miss eight games. If Dallas won three of them, I'd be surprised. Really, and I haven't looked at their schedule, but well, I got the matter. Bengals
2: this week, who
1: who are can't, gonna can't, be,
2: can't imagine they're going to look much worse. They're than not they going go to start zero
1: and two, you know.
2: Well, and and. As bad as they looked, they still had a chance to win that game.
1: Oh, my God, they were terrible.
2: That was a crazy game, by the way. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, Joe Burrow, what, four turnovers in the first half?
1: Four in the first half. And yet half, they, five were down, they were down
2: 11 at the half?
1: Right. And if they could have snapped, they lost their long snapper, and Mitch Wilcox from USF, poor plus mm-hmm. his heart. Um, the first one that they had tried, the short field goal, I'm sorry, that's not on Mitch. You turned a guy free yep. inside. Go back and watch the tape. I was like, oh, was the, the whole thing was too slow. And you know what? It might not have been as fast as, as the normal long snapper would do it. But that ball gets blocked because they lost contain. You block Minka, scourge. and
2: it, you, that kick's good.
1: Absolutely, it's good. It's going right through. And, and he got it up, and the guy got, got pressure inside and, and split the difference and mm-hmm. got his hand on it. Um, you know.
2: The second one, the snap was high. It was. But you kicked it on third down. So that yeah, if and- something went wrong, you, you mm-hmm. eat it and you go live for a fourth down kick.
1: It's a great point.
2: And they didn't and, ke- and they didn't do it. Kevin Huber put it down.
1: And you just wonder, like, is that is that a talking point before he goes out there and says, "Look, Kevin, if it's a bad snap, just 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 fall on it and and we'll live to tell you know we'll live to do it the next play.
2: If it wasn't, then that's a coaching fail.
1: Right, right. It's like he lost track of where he was and the downs and stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the reason you went out and kicked it on third down. I know. Anything happens, and you know you didn't have your normal snapper. And it
1: was obvious something just happened. That thing was a high ass snap, right?
2: Mm-hmm. He did get it down. Now, I don't know if the laces were turned and yeah, that threw I off the he, timing for Evan McPherson as it well. It messed
1: up the whole operation, yeah.
2: But, yeah, you need to eat that because that's why you did it on third down.
1: Although you'd like to think, right, that an NFL kicker with so much at stake that is, you know, trying to kick a field goal that they know they it's within their range, um, You'd like to think you could make it under any circumstance, wouldn't you?
2: Well, I, I agree. But if you hesitate just slightly because, oh, that then ball's not restart down yet. You start, and yeah. You know, and all of a sudden you, you know, your I'm steps not a are kicker. Up. But,
1: but your steps are messed up at that
2: point. You know, think about your golf swing and get a quick pause on the way down <laughs> or hesitation. I don't I mean, want to think about yeah, my golf I mean, swing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> think about your golf swing, Charles Gr- Barkley.
2: Granted, my golf swing's not anywhere near Evan McPherson's. leg. Well,
1: I got a terrible, terrible golf swing. Jeez, I want to see. Don't look at his eyes. I should, you know, the other night we were reading the Brady letter. I should have read it as Charles Barkley. There, there you go. go.
2: I saw the commercials. Let's yesterday. us say you're the, the next NFL. Tom
1: Brady because you got beautiful eyes. That's terrible, terrible. I don't. I don't have much hope for the Cowboys. I, I. I think that that the Eagles are the best team in that division anyway. We'll see if the Commanders can we'll do some Carson stuff. Carson Wentz looked pretty good. He, he did, and then he didn't. You know, like he had some, some interceptions or some mistakes, and then he, then he came back and played pretty well. Um,
2: he looked better than the quarterback that the, uh, his team got rid of him for, Matt Ryan. That is true.
1: That is true. I don't know what happened there. You know, I, I, I expect Matt Ryan to have a tremendous year. And, uh, like I thought that's the greatest fit you could have. Michael Pippen Jr. had a good game, but I don't know what happened. I didn't see any of it, so I am not. I can't really comment on, like, how did they, how did they lose?
2: I think we saw a lot Sunday of teams that didn't play anything in the preseason. Agreed. Really struggled. I'm was, glad you said that. Was, I'm glad you said that. There were so many, the Rams, uh, the Bengals, there were so many teams that it's like, how are they playing this poorly? I mean, there's more Because they didn't
1: play anybody.
2: They... The, the lack of doing anything in the preseason is hurting these
1: teams. I'm so glad you said that.
2: And, and, and that's why you can't write off these teams. Remember last year, Aaron Rodgers was awful in week one. Oh, yeah. Got blown up they got the throttled ended, by the Saints. Yeah, ended up winning the MVP and getting the number one yeah. seed in the NFC. Number one seed in the NFC. Yeah. So you can't the write anything the off the first week. But I think right. some of these teams gave away games, in, in uh, a game, because they failed to properly prepare themselves in the preseason. Scared, totally. of, scared of injuries.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. They're down to three preseason games, okay, because they negotiated the mm-hmm. 17th regular season game, and that was the trade off. And now teams are kind of like, well, how do we treat the third one? Like, Is it like the last one? Is it the first one? Mm-hmm. But by and large, because they have these joint practices now, and I think eventually we're just going to do away with the preseason altogether, but they get controlled work without the carnage, right, where they, they're not tackling people to the ground, and so you can kind of prevent. Some injuries to an extent, um, but, but
2: even look at Brady. How many times are you are going to see him in the first half go down in five straight field goal attempts?
1: Yeah, he's a little off. He said it. Mm-hmm. He said it on his podcast. I am listening to his podcast. And, you know, we we always have to do the Jim Gray podcast, right? Uh, the Let's Go Well time got off to a good start yesterday. I should have done the letterist Jim Gray. I know, um, and you know, and, and Brady Brady was like, well, you know. He goes. I don't think I played. He didn't think he played that well. He goes. You know, I made a bad read, threw a horrible interception, didn't get the ball in the end zone. But once, I can play better. But he said. But you know what? A lot of guys haven't played much. Kind of. You know. And and it's true. He Brady was out there for one series, and I'm not saying you want to play Tom Brady maybe more than that. I have no idea. But at the end of the day, like less and less starters even play. Forget about the third preseason game or the second or hell. The last one, but like some of them don't uh, didn't play at all, mm-hmm. and so if your first NFL action is a regular season game, there's some stuff to work out, and I think that's why the I think the ball this this first week, the football the first week was among the sloppiest turnover fest you've ever seen. Special teams were a disaster, and that's just time on task. That's just that they didn't play those guys. Those guys weren't in. They they weren't in any. You know simulated situations. Speaking of football, onto the college side. I haven't talked to you since uh, your boy Scott Frost got fired. Upset Saturday in college football.
2: So if you put a hundred dollar parlay down, okay, on Georgia Southern to beat Nebraska, <laughs> yeah, Marshall okay. to beat Notre Dame, uh huh, <laughs> and App State to, to beat, beat A&M. Texas A and M. So three soft belt teams, if you had put a $100 parlay down on that, Mm. do you know what Mm. that would have paid out?
1: Uh, No, I don't.
2: $118,000.
1: Woo! But then again, you would have agreed, to make that $118,000, you would have agreed that I'm the dumbest guy in the world throwing away this money on these three teams. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who? I don't even know that they... A sports book would look at you and go like, yeah, are you sure you want to parlay these teams against these teams? Like, really? Um, but they came in, man. They came in.
2: Yeah, what a crazy, crazy weekend for college football.
1: Oh, it was nuts. Just nuts. And some of those teams are wounded by I mean, Jimbo Fisher might give up his play calling at this point. How about He's Marcus Freeman?
2: Marcus Freeman's the first Notre Dame coach to lose his first three games. Yeah, it's He horrible. lost the Fiesta Bowl last year. Because Brian Kelly already, right. already left with his him. fake accent to LSU. <laughs> so he lost that one. Then he lo- loses to I'll Ohio say, State. I'll say
1: now, then, boy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah that, yeah, that weekend of college football was just nuts. And, and, and Texas almost beats Alabama with a backup quarterback.
1: And they had him. Oh, they, they had, had him. Him. Okay, let me ask you this. How many times did you watch that play that looked like a safety and then they said it? they said it wasn't a safety?
2: Well, first of all, the official messed up. And told the referee wrong. Because they, initially they called roughing the passer with targeting. It Are we talking
1: like, about the same play when it should have been a safety? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It should have been a safety. Yeah. But then they called yeah. roughing the passer with targeting. But, yeah. but the quarterback was never down. No. And then he threw it. How was it not intentional grounding safety? That's,
1: and that's the part I didn't get. It's and like, I, okay, so let's say you're right about everything up until the point where he lets go of that ball. Where is he throwing the ball to? And, and for what purpose? And
2: did it actually go forward?
1: I don't even know. that It
2: hit it, a guy's helmet. It went sideways. I'm and like, then
1: it bounced sideways. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it, the throw, so to speak, if you call it a throw, was really just chucking, like yeah. banking it, not even throwing it, but banking mm-hmm. off somebody's helmet.
2: How is that not a safety, period? It
1: has to be. Because if, if, if you're trying to avoid a safety in the end zone and you throw it away mm-hmm. to no one in particular, that is de facto a safety. They will put their hands up and make you kick it off. And I thought at minimum just looking at the videos and stuff, they got a safety here. Well and they didn't.
2: I'm sorry, we're all about player safety. How'd you not blow the whistle sooner and call it a safety? Right. I mean if you're really about protecting the quarterbacks.
1: Right. He's in the grass. I mean, just because yeah. he's on top of somebody doesn't mean he's not in a, yeah. a precarious we're position. We're protecting
2: the quarterbacks at all costs and then you're gonna call roughing the passer on that targeting?
1: Right, so the next time that a quarterback is laying on my defensive lineman in the end zone and it yeah. looks like a safety, we're just going to go ahead and plow into him, and maybe we can break something. Yeah. Is that what you want?
2: I, I, don't, I don't get how some things are officiated and why things aren't reviewable either.
1: Yeah, I don't get that either.
2: I mean, that's the other I mean, part is, is, is if you're going to have replay, why are some things reviewable and some aren't? It makes zero yeah. sense.
1: Well, because they're just as important. I mean, if if an offensive lineman holds your pass rusher, like, flat out grabs him and bear hugs him, and and you throw a touchdown pass, I mean, that that affects the play as much as anything. There's no review of holding,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. I've always thought that that was wrong. But, yeah,
2: Alabama, I mean, Nick Saban almost – it's only his, what, third non-conference road game in in his 15 years at Alabama. Right. Plays a lot of neutral site games. Yes. It was only the third true road game, and they almost lost it. Should have, probably, that, to a backup that place quarterback.
1: Was, oh, yeah, that place was hype, for sure.
2: Steve Sarkeesian gets a lot of grief, but they were ready to play.
1: They were. And I think if it's officiated right, they still get the win. It was disappointing, but I mm-hmm. thought they played it pretty well. And, and Florida, had, Florida
2: didn't look too hot.
1: People, people were – we're questioning, like, and look, I jumped on the Richardson bandwagon after week one. I was like, the yeah, Mullen was an idiot. Why didn't he play this guy? Maybe we found out a little bit why we didn't play the guy.
2: Well, look, there's no question his talent. But with young quarterbacks and young talent, they're going to have growing pains.
1: Mm-hmm. You're going
2: to have some great moments, and then you're going to read your press clippings and have some bad moments. And then, There
1: you go. You know, yep. Now
2: it's how he responds from here.
1: Right. Can he level it off? And we talked you know? about
2: that last week. It's, you know, okay, Florida won a huge game at Utah. How are they going to respond the next week with another big game top 20 team? Right. You know, and 18 year old kids, uh, they can read their press clippings sometimes. They can sure. get a little ahead of their skis. Yeah. That's, that's, that happens with, you know, when you're talking college kids. Absolutely. You know, do I think Anthony Richardson's still a great quarterback? Yes. I think he's going to be fine there. Yeah. It had a bad game. No question. Yeah. You know, now they're going to get USF loss. this week, so should get back to the yeah. win
1: column. Oh, they'll throttle USF. Yeah. He can name his score. Nothing against Coach Scott, but I, I don't – they're not going to handle Florida. And, and, and the worst thing happened to them before their Florida game. They lost. <laughs> they lost <laughs> to Kentucky. <laughs> like, if there was ever going to be a chance, man, you could not have that happening because they're going to be loaded – to come out and make a statement and and get get back on track. So, unfortunately, I think they're going to take it out on the Bulls. Finally, the Tampa Bay Rays, man, it's just, you know, they play so many close games and they don't really score a lot of runs. And then, you know, they're in this two-to-one game in the eighth inning. And then Bo Bichette, bam, two-run bomb. Rays lose, Rays lose, Rays lose to the Toronto Blue Jays. And now they fall from the first wild card to, I think, the third. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. Seattle and Toronto both a half game ahead of them. Mm -hmm. So they are now the third wild card, which – Look, you want the first wild card because sure. you get that series at home. You get all sure. three games of a three-game series at home, whether it's against Toronto or whether it's against Seattle. Sure. If you're not going to get the first wild card, then you want the third wild card because that way you're going to take on the Guardians. Right. You're going to be on the road, but instead of going to Toronto or Seattle for three, you go to Cleveland.
1: There you go. Mm-hmm. That's so a weird it, sort disappointing of Disappointing over the thing.
2: weekend, though, against the Yankees. You take the game Friday night, and then you get blown up Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Corey Kluber, Luis Patino, both not very good. Mm. You know, and, and look, least. you could have you could have handled one of those. You couldn't have two of those on back to back days. No. And so the division probably out of reach now.
1: Probably, yeah.
2: I mean, you know, unless the Yankees go into another tailspin.
1: They could go into another. And that's the worst thing that happened was you gave the Yankees confidence. Mm-hmm. The Yankees were scruffling, man. They couldn't score any runs for, like, since the All-Star break. Terrible record, right? And mm-hmm. you let them regain their, their swag a little bit. And that was the danger of those two games. You didn't just lose to them. You, you know, they scored, they, they scored a ton of runs.
2: Yeah, I mean, you kind of let them find their their footing. I mean, it, with a bad lineup. I mean, they got a lot of injuries. And, mm-hmm. You know, but but when you, you know what, your two starters, Kluber and Patino, go six outs total in those two games? Oof. You know, not good. No. But in Toronto tonight, I mean, you wish you could score more runs than two. Yep. But, you know, Jason Adam has been great all year. Yep. What, I think his second blown save, I believe? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. giving up the home run, unfortunate. But you've got four more against Toronto because you got a doubleheader today, and then games Thursday and Friday. This is a five-game series, man. Because this, they added a game from the first series that got rained out, or mm-hmm. uh, not rained out the the lockout. They started the season a week late, so yeah, your second five-game series in Toronto this year.
1: That's a long one, long time in Toronto. Kind of jealous of the travel that you know. It's tough, man. I don't know how Mark does it, but by the same token, at least you can pack a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Like so, I. And this is not a woe is me, as I literally go woe is me. But those <laughs> night games. By the time we got done with our podcast, oh. I think it was probably about two. Yep. Back to the ho. Back to the hotel about two thirty. Uh, wake up call three thirty. Yeah. Three thirty. That's one hour, man. But that's worse than what I did for five years at uh getting up in the mornings. But. Somehow we we plow through and we listen to the Tom Brady podcast. That was my assignment on Monday, Monday night. He said he still gets butterflies, still gets nervous, nervous before the games.
2: Is he nervous about his performance or nervous about if his offensive line is going to block for him?
1: <laughs> well, I'm not sure he'll say, but um, probably a little. As as far as goes, like, probably a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, his point was that he says that. And, you know, once you and this is this is kind of cliche. Once you stop caring about things, and then you're you're going to lose those butterflies. The fact that you still have them means you give you give a damn. But more to that, he also said he's feeling more. I thought it was interesting. He said, "Look, I'm starting to feel more things. Like my I'm getting in. You know, he's kind of getting into his feelings a little bit. You can kind of see that on on the podium. Obviously, he's going through some bleep, um, and I think he wears it a little bit more. He's a little more vulnerable. Um, but while he's not, slow, you know, he he's not closing the door like you know this is my last year in the NFL or my last year with the Bucks. He does acknowledge that it's going to end here soon, and so I think you know in his own way he's kind of trying to savor it. Like here's an example: so after the game, um, we wait in the tunnel, and then you know, they don't close the locker room doors until the last person's off the field and in there, and that very often can. Can be Tom towards the end, not usually the end, but he he talks to the sideline reporter or whatever. And then the thing he did, you know, on Sunday night was he spent a lot of time with Dallas players. Understand how young this league is. Guys like Micah Parsons are literally were born the year of or the year before Tom Brady started his NFL career. So they've only known Tom Brady as the guy in Super Bowls and on video games, right? They probably played him uh as tom brady a million times on madden and now they're getting a chance to meet him you know and it's been cool brady has embraced that he hasn't just run off the field and you know he's actually spent a lot of time with these younger guys talking to him and he was one of the last ones off the field the other night i just thought it was neat that you know they afford him that respect he goes you know look i remember when i was coming up i was at the beginning of my career there at the beginning the end of theirs but like brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Was one of those guys that he looked up to.
2: You could see the players coming up to Brady going, Hey man, I'm a huge fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, weird, what? Mm-hmm. Right? It was like, you know, well, everyone's
2: this, realizing this is most likely his last season.
1: Yeah, that's what's happening. That's right.
2: You know, there was always a chance a couple years ago and last year. And, yeah. But, but
1: now he's actually quit and come back.
2: Now it's we're pretty sure this is his last year.
1: Yeah, right. Right. And and I think they're trying to savor it and get you know, little chips of them on the way out as souvenirs. But um, but it's cool. And it, Brady felt like, you know what? I should give these guys the time. Like, why should I be in a hurry? I should smell the roses. You well, know, he's I always
2: should... been considered a great teammate.
1: He has been, And yeah.
2: someone who helps his fellow teammates.
1: He certainly does.
2: And he's stepped up a lot to help the players' union. The he has been outspoken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wants the players to do more in that regard. Yeah. And he's taken a lead on that. So it's good to see him doing that with the players.
1: Yeah. No, it was it was neat. And um and and he's going to be around football obviously as his role as a broadcaster, he'll be in production meetings. He's going to continue to give in his own way to players, which is one of the reasons why I think he's doing Fox. He really enjoys that. He enjoys being one of the guys. That's the key to him. You know, just hanging out in the locker room doing locker room stupid stuff and you know all the practices and the grind. He says, you know, once you get in the regular season, it's really cool because now you have a rhythm, you know, you kind of know what Wednesday is, Thursday is Friday. And I've always found my son played football. Those guys thrive when they have rhythm. It's when they don't that they're out of it. They lose their minds. (laughs) They just, they love, they love the routine. You know, you lift on this day, you, you, you know, this day is for this set of plays or this install. And, before they know it it's it's Saturday and they're traveling or it's Sunday and they're playing and they start all over again. They kind of they kinda of know how to get through that. They kinda of makes them feel sorta of whole again. It's when the football is removed that Brady struggled when he retired and, you know, realized how much he loved it and and he's still damn good at it, so he decided to come back. But um,
2: well, as Michael Jordan said, you know, I retired for two years. He didn't <laughs> make right. it two months, so
1: he <laughs> couldn't make it two months, right. Well, Tom, do you know, it seems like everybody else knows more than you do about when you might retire. Why is that? And he's like, I don't know, Jim. Well, I can just tell you that it's closer than it's ever been, but I don't know when it's going to be. So as long as it's not before the New Orleans game, I'll be happy. <laughs> just, you know, I don't need that. can't imagine. I That New Orleans game, I'm telling you, those – These two teams don't like each other, but you can't call it a rivalry because the Saints own them. uh, Albeit they didn't get the one they needed, which was to go. I was going to say, you have got
2: the one they needed, so it can be considered a rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. And Still for the division, the best two teams in the division.
1: Yeah, and Jameis versus his former team. Come Mm -hmm. on, like that's. And he got knocked out of the last game. He was, you know, going to be the quarterback of record and had to leave with the torn ACL. And Falcons still won, but it wasn't the same. And. So this is his shot. He gets another shot at him, and, and uh,
0: it's going to be a
1: great game, man. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what to expect. I, I do suspect that the Bucks will try to use a very similar game plan and wear down the Saints. Cordero Patterson ran for over 100 yards against them. Marcus Mariota had a bunch of run, runs against them as well. So you can run the football uh, against Atlanta, so it'll be interesting. You can run the football against New Orleans a little bit, I think.
2: And the good thing is, is that you're not playing this game on Halloween in New Orleans
1: no that is a good thing because that was a weird thing man that's the scariest place anyway at night on the french quarter you know mm-hmm. you make it halloween now everyone has a mask on now you can't identify the guy that picked your pocket <laughs> you know that's the problem it's like that whoa well, it was a dude and he was wearing a mask it was like a, one of those scary masks like for halloween because it's halloween <laughs> yeah thanks i'm gonna try to stay away from the french quarter if i can Although it's hard to do because one of my favorite restaurants is right down there, GW Finn's, great seafood place. Man, New Orleans has got the restaurants. They really do. So we've got the Bucs uh, going to take their players' day off, although they'll still be at the facility, I'm quite sure, getting ready to take a look at some film of the New Orleans Saints. The Rays will continue their series in Toronto. It's a five-game series.
2: Doubleheader today. So you've got a, what, a yeah. 1 o'clock and a 7 o'clocker, I think it is.
1: Yeah. Hopefully they don't run out of pitching. Didn't they bring up a whole ton of pitchers?
2: Well, they brought. Yeah, they had to change out a bunch, and then you get to bring mm. up a twenty-ninth player, right? So Yanni Chirinos will be one of the players for one game, and then it'll probably be another pitcher for the other. So Spring, right. Springs they, is going to start the uh, the first game, and uh, looks like Rasmussen. Rasmussen's Wednesday, so uh, I think Chirinos is going to start second. Springs will start the first one.
1: Yeah. I mean, they need to get some pitchers back. Obviously, Shane McClanahan, mm-hmm. maybe Tyler Glass now is getting closer.
2: It looks like Shane's going to pitch Thursday.
1: Is he? Okay. Yeah,
2: it looks like he's back. That's the first day he's eligible to come back. That's
1: promising if he's ready to go. I mean, if he feels that good, that's really promising.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's that's the plan at this point. Thir- that's the first day they could activate him. So,
1: Yeah. But we'll talk lots of uh, college football. Of course, there was tons of upsets. Um try to get maybe Mac Baker on from the Tampa Bay Times. Yeah, we missed
2: him last week. That was kind of our mistake, so we'll get I him know. back this week.
1: Yeah, well, we had those interviews. You know, we're kind of prepping people for the for the buck season. We had Yep. It was a short
2: week and I missed yeah. the one day and so it just it yeah. got away from us.
1: We'll get back on college football talk with Matt and then of course your mailbag questions always welcome. We'll do that mm-hmm. at some point. I'm getting a lot of them already without even this listening, which is fine. Um, you can do that by sending this to us on Twitter at sportsday TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstrout at Tampa Bay.com. And make sure you, you check out our sponsors. Your electric bill. I know because I have one is going up and up with all this heat. Still gonna be hot for a few more weeks here. If not a month or so, call our friends at may electric solar. They're a family owned business. They've been in business for 12 years. 30-year labor warranty and service uh, warranty, you get $750 worth of surge protection. Uh, Start saving money. I mean, really, that's what this comes down to. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill, and preserve the quality of all your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tent Big Times. Have a great day, everybody.